Are you a restful soul? I mean, are you at rest? If you're at work, are you resting? If you're uh, at school, are you resting? At home with a bunch of toddlers wrapped around your ankles, are you resting? Did you know that there is a rest for the people of God? I mean, a very specific rest. I'm talking about a transcendent one, one that rises above all other rest, but also it rises above our troubles. It's the kind of rest that Jesus had in Matthew when he was sleeping in a storm. He had a rest that transcended the storm. The disciples in that day, they were, they were alarmed by the storm, and they knew that they would have rest after they exited the storm. Not Christ. He had the best of all kinds of rest. Well, I want to talk about that in this episode. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee, and I want to walk you through how to obtain this kind of transcendent rest. Thank you so much for joining me. And this is a podcast. It's episode 402, and the title of it is Two Keys to Mature into the Best Rest You Can Have. And so I want to talk about how to obtain this rest. I want to speak specifically to the two keys that you need. And so we don't need five. We don't need 10. There's only two things. And the more that we learn and apply these two keys to our lives, we can begin to experience a rest that rises above any other kind of rest that you could think about. I mean, what kind of rest do you have? I mean, I could list several if I put my mind to it, and I'm sure you could too. One of my favorite kinds of rest is power naps. A power nap is something that I have historically taken late in the afternoon after a meal, and I have found that to be quite rejuvenating just to take a 10 or sometimes a 20-minute a 20 power nap. Of course, rest is, is sleep too, or it could be sleep. There are people who go to sleep and they wake up and they're not rested, but sleep is traditionally thought thought of as a way to rest. And then, of course, there's vacations for maybe a small number of us, because I think many of us had this experience when we went on vacation, we needed another vacation to get over the first vacation. And so these kinds of rest do have value, but as you can also understand that it's really not a rest that rides with you all the days of your life in a 24-7 way that causes you to rise above whatever challenging vacation you may have. And then there are other people that they can rest at work because they find their work to give them a, a, a level of rest because they love what they are doing. Now, I would be in that camp. I find my work to be quite restful because I have hit my spot. I am doing the thing that I believe God has called me to do. And when you hit that spot, there is a restfulness to it. Of course, you can take mental breaks, another form of rest. You can take coffee breaks, another idea about rest. And the list continues, and I'm sure you can add to it. But there is this one rest that transcends above all of them. Of all the rest that you could possibly have, this is the one that we want. And the great news is that God gives us this kind of rest. Nobody will enjoy the fullest possibilities of rest until they learn and practice this one. And so power naps, sleeping all night, vacations, your career, mental breaks, coffee breaks, they're good. But they don't quite touch the hem of the garment of a, a transcendent rest 
because it rises above them all. And so there are two keys in ascertaining this most exquisite rest. And as I work through episode 402, again, it's titled Two Keys to Mature into the Best Rest You Can Have. I hope that you will be encouraged, invigorated. I hope that you will be motivated to pursue, to work hard to find this rest. And it is yours if you want it. And so in order to talk about it, I want to go back to the first rest that we see in the Bible. You know the text of Scripture is in Genesis, and it said that that God rested. Now, we have to understand that when the Bible talks about God rested, sometimes the Bible will use language that makes sense to us because it helped, therefore it helps us to understand in a way who God is But it doesn't mean that God is exactly that way. You've heard the language, the hand of God, the eye of God. We know that God is a spirit. He has neither hand nor nor eye. And so when it says that God rested, it doesn't mean that God sat down and he took a break like you and I would sit down at the end of a long day or at the end of six days of working. We're just going to stop. But there is an idea here that I think we do need to get our minds around. And the idea is this. God created a world, and he brought the world from chaos to order. Now think about what that would mean. If he brought the world from chaos to order, and now the world is well-ordered, is perfect, well, then what he would have created is rest. I mean, there would be nothing to do but rest because it's not a chaotic mess anymore. And so there is a a rest. There's a rest that Adam and Eve could enter into. Let me give you a maybe a weak analogy, but like using the word rest to talk about what God did on the seventh day, maybe this analogy will help as well. You, you're in early spring, and your backyard is a chaotic mess. And so you spend the entire day digging up weeds and, and mulching and planting flowers and edging the lawn and then mowing the lawn. And then at the end of the day, it's 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, and you have brought your backyard from a chaotic mess to a well-ordered lawn. You have created a restful place, and so you enter into that rest. That is kind of Week, but it gets close to help us to understand that God did not sit down, but because it was it was perfect, there was a rest. And so Adam and Eve entered into the rest that God created. And there were only two requirements on Adam and Eve, and that was believe in God and obey Him. Now, those are the two critical keys, and I'll go ahead and tell you right up front. And so I titled the podcast, Two Keys to Mature into the Best Rest That You Can Have. There are the keys. Believe God and obey Him. And the more you believe, now I'm not talking about salvation, and I'll talk more about that in a moment, but I do want to be clear. There was no work for Adam and Eve to do to make creation more perfect. 
It was perfect. And so when I say believe God and do what he asks you to do, not to make it more perfect, but to grow up into a, a to, to mature in that version of rest that God had created for them. And it's the same for Christ, by the way. I'm not talking about earning your salvation, but there is nothing else to do but to grow up into the maturest, fullest version of Christ's likeness that you can. And the more you grow up, mature in Christ. Christ, the more rest you will experience. And so we uh, we believe God and we obey him in our sanctification too. And so Adam and Eve had the opportunity to believe God and to obey him. And of course, we read that in Genesis 2, where he said, you can eat any tree that you want to, but not this one. And so the devil recognizes this. And so he comes along and what is he trying to do? Disrupt shalom, disrupt their rest. How does he do it? By getting them to unbelieve and disobey. Again, those are the negative side of the two things that we must do to grow up and to mature Christ-likeness and to experience the most transcendent rest that we can. And so the devil comes along and says, did God say? And of course, we know how that went. And so rest was disrupted. Shalom was broken. Adam no longer believed, and Eve, Adam and Eve no longer believed, they no longer obeyed. Well, now the world was cast into a chaotic mess again. We call this a fallen world, and now we are fallen creatures, perfected creatures built up by God, but now we are fallen because we chose to unbelieve and disobey. And so the world is in a chaotic mess, and so God goes to work again. In Genesis 3.15, right on the hills of the fall, there is this, there's this uh, implication, this hint that God is going to send someone to fix all of this. And then in uh, Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. And so God went to work again to bring our chaotic state into a place of shalom. And when the work was finished on the cross, Christ said so, it was finished, and he died, he rose, he ascended, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And now every person has the opportunity to enter into this new rest that God has created for the people of God. Now, this kind of rest that we have as believers, we are new creations in Christ. And so this this kind of rest has two aspects to it. There's a temporary aspect. We can benefit from it for as long as we live on earth. But there's also an eschatological aspect as well, meaning a, a end times eternal aspect. And so we will we will end up in the fullest expression of that rest when we uh, enter into eternity with God to live forever, and it will not get any better than that. But that eschatological version of rest can be brought back into today in our temporary lives. We can enjoy that rest today in a temporary way. As long as we continue to obey God or believe in God and obey Him. And again, I'm not making a salvific statement here. I'm talking about our progressive sanctification. We have everything that we need to to grow up into mature manhood and womanhood. But 
Christianity is not a passive exercise. What we want to do as Christians, we want to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We want to grow as newborn babies into adulthood. We want to exercise so that we can move from milk to meat. This is what the Hebrew writer was saying in chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Actually, the word there for exercise, and we're talking about gymnasium, that we have to do some work. As Paul says, we want to always press toward the high mark of Christ. And so we work out our salvation. We grow as newborn babes in Christ. We exercise from milk to meat. We press toward the high calling of Christ. These are clear statements about the responsibility that is on every believer. This responsibility, one more time, has nothing to do with keeping your salvation. God had already prepared the land of Israel, the promised land. All they had to do is believe God and obey. Those were the two things. And then they can cross the Jordan River and enjoy the land of milk and honey. And in an analogous way, we too can enjoy what God has prepared not to keep it, but we have a responsibility to mature in it. And so like Adam and Eve, we have entered into the rest of God, but we never stop working now that we are there. And the more we work, the more we will settle into the fuller beauties of what it means to be Christ-like. Christianity is, as I said, not a passive exercise. The more the believer understands all that God has done for us, like the Hebrews in Joshua's day as they were standing on the banks of that river, the more motivated we are to do all the Lord asks us to do. And that is the key. Here's the key. Because of the finished work of God on the cross, we are highly motivated to mature because we have all we need for life and godliness. I want to go back just briefly to Joshua 24, uh, verse number, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua 2, verse number 24, and then turn the page to Joshua 3, verse number 1. And I want you to see this idea of, obey, uh, of believe and obey. And so I'm going to read right from the text. And so here are the Hebrew people. They're not going to do what their ancestors did because God rebuked them. And by the way, if you want to read this passage, you could go to Hebrews chapter 4. And read verses 1 through 11, and you can really get a grasp of what I'm talking about here. In fact, I would encourage you to go to Hebrews 3, just back up one paragraph more, and, and get a run into it, and into chapter 4. And what you'll see at the end of chapter 3, you will see people who were ready to go in, but they did not believe and they did not obey. And so the rebuke in this passage of Scripture in Hebrews, it is today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. God could have very well said that to Adam and Eve. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. But they did. And so their shalom was broken. And then the Hebrew folks were standing on the edge of the promised land. They heard God's voice, but they would not believe. They would not obey. And so here we are again. And again, you can read that at the end of chapter 3 of Hebrews and 1 through 11 of chapter 4. But what the Hebrew writer is talking about, part of what he's talking about in that passage is Joshua 2. 24 
and then chapter 3, verse number 1. Here are those two verses. And the Hebrew people said to Joshua, Truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land. They melt away because of us. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and, and set out for Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. That is a profound passage of Scripture. And so in verse 24, what you're hearing is, truly, the Lord has, has given all this land into our hands. Do you hear their belief? Do you hear their faith? But if that passage of Scripture had just stopped at chapter 2, verse 24, and that was the last chapter, and that was the end of it all, it would be, well, what did they do? Well, they believed, but did they obey? Well, turn the page, chapter 3, verse number 1. Then Joshua arose early in the morning, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. And, of course, we know they obeyed. And those are the two keys. And the more that you believe God... And the more that you obey God, kind of like, I think it's James 4, 17. For those of you who know what to do and do not do it, it is sin. And that's what happened to the first group. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Well, if you know what to do and you do not do it, you're hardening your heart and you will have soul noise. You will not have rest. But if you know what to do and you do do it, like they did here, and, and notice the motivation of these people, truly, and that's the way that we should be as well. As the more we reflect upon what God finished on the cross, this is what Adam and Eve should have been thinking about too, the more they reflected upon how God brought order out of chaos in six days, wow, truly God can do all things. And so I am highly motivated to believe him and obey him. And the more we think about the second time that God went to work and, and, and provided us a Savior to bring us from a chaotic state to a, a well-ordered state called Christ's likeness, we too should be highly motivated. Truly, we can do all things because of the finished work of Christ. Therefore, I want to obey Him. And this is exactly what the Israelites did there, that we want to trust and obey. It's quite the simple song, isn't it? And so God created rest for the people of God. The type of rest that I'm talking about here is transcendent rest that I mentioned in the beginning. It's the highest and the best kind of rest that you can have. The practical benefits of that rest are not the same for everyone. And it's important to understand that because every believer is different in every way. And so some people who just come to Christ will not have a mature version of that rest. You'll have people with different capacities or different struggles, different shaping influences, a different form or manner of life. And so it will not be identical for every person, but every person has the same Christ, the same gospel, the same salvation. Every person has, every Christian has definitive sanctification, which means they do have everything that they need at the point of salvation to grow up into Christ's likeness, which is the point of progressive sanctification. And so let me point to an illustration about how this worked. As I have mentioned in Matthew 8, verses 24 and 25, I'll read the text to you. It is so awesome. The text says, And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he, the he there is Christ, he was asleep. 
Christ was sleeping. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Jesus had that transcendent rest because he grew up into a perfect example of of manhood. Now, please let me make this brief parenthetical. We're talking about the hypostatic union here. He is 100% man, 100% God. He was not 98% man on earth and 2% God. He was not a superman. He was 100% man. Because some people will discount things like this, saying, well, I am not Jesus. Well, no, we are not Jesus, but we do have the opportunity to emulate him and grow up in him if we follow his example of trusting and obeying. And so when trouble came, his rest managed him more than the storm managed him. The disciples believed that that rest would come after the storm was over. Jesus had rest in the storm. And those are the two differences. Many times when we find ourselves in a storm, our first thought, our first impulse, that's not necessarily wrong unless we hang out here forever. But our first impulse is, I will find rest. Now, maybe we wouldn't say it that way, but I will find rest after I get out of this storm. If you have transcendent rest, you will have a a peace that passes all understanding. You'll have a rest that will manage you during the storm as you think through how to navigate out of the storm. And so they had two different ideas about rest. I will get it when it's over. Some people will say that I will rest when uh, you'll rest when you're dead. You know, you'll hear that cliche. No, you can rest now. You really can. You, you can rest while you are working. You can rest while you are laboring. You can rest while you are ministering. You can rest in a storm. Let me give you a few illustrations of what I'm talking about. The mature, restful mom with toddlers exudes rest while she works. Whatever the problems there are with her begging children wrapped around her ankles, she's exuding rest. Now think about that. Isn't that the kind of rest that you want to follow? What child would want to follow, if they could articulate such adult matters, what child would want to follow a a mom who is impulsive and reactive and, and angry and has soul noise, similar to Christ here? We want to follow a Christ who exudes rest in the storm. A mom that has this kind of rest, and her children are all about her. She's exuding that kind of rest. Imagine children growing up in that kind of of Christ-like environment. Another illustration, a mature husband rests while he's walking his angry wife through the latest trouble that is in her soul. He can transcend the trouble in his marriage. Number three, the mature teenager brings calmness to his peers because he steadily matures in a transcendent rest. Fourth illustration, a mature employer models calmness to the employees as they bring their complaints. You see, we really don't have but two options as far as these authorities are concerned. The authority of the mom, the authority of the husband, the authority of the teenager over his peers, the authority of the employer. 
either these people and these leadership opportunities will exude rest, give off rest, breathe out rest, or or they will breathe out chaos, which will only intensify and amplify more chaos. Fifth illustration, the mature pastor can absorb problem after problem, offering sound help while always resting, a transcendent rest, because work does not disrupt rest. The storm did not disrupt Christ's rest. These folks have in common that they never stop working and they never stop resting. They continue to obey, uh, continue to believe, they continue to obey, they continually store the treasures of God in their souls, and when the trouble comes, they, like their Savior, they can rest in the storm, and that is a transcendent rest. This is episode 402. The title of it is Two Keys to Mature into the Best Rest You Can Have. Let me wrap up this podcast. Um, and by the way, you can listen to the podcast inside these show notes. You can read these show notes and watch the video. And so all of it is a one-stop shop. You can read, stop, and read stop. You can read, watch, and listen inside episode 402. Who wants to follow a mom, a husband, a teenager, an employer, a pastor who doesn't have this kind of rest? I don't. I have followed people like this, and sadly, people have followed me when when I had disrupted shalom. How hard is it to follow somebody with, with disrupted shalom? Rest begets rest. Chaos begets chaos. Jesus would not be worth following if he were like the frantic and fearful and faithless disciples. If there are 13 people there, 12 disciples and one Christ, I would want to follow Christ because he is calm as he takes the hill. He is calm as he rides above the storm. He is calm working through adversity. But a child in a home where the parents have, do not have this transcendent rest, no wonder it begets chaos in those little hearts. This is where we want to be, a Christ-like rest that transcends not only every other rest you can think of, but it transcends all of our storms. And so how do you find transcendent rest that rises above all other forms? The simple answer is to believe and obey. And so what has God asked you to do as you listen to this podcast or watch by video? What has he asked you to do according to his word? Do you believe? Are you obeying? Are you doing it? It is unreasonable to complain about how your life is when you know there are things that you should be doing but you're not doing it. it it's self-defeating. It makes no sense. The formula is the more you believe and obey, the more your rest will mature and calm you. Now, you can look at this, and I would encourage you to do this in a most charitable way, not in a judgmental way. But if you know someone who is not at rest, that they don't, ha that they have uh, ever-increasing soul noise, amplified soul noise, they're not restful people. Those people give off that vibe. You can spend just a few moments with them, and you can tell. And if you're not careful, they will speed you up. Their their unrest will begin to jump from them and onto you, and you'll feel very unrested just being around them. 
Well, in the most charitable way, what you would want to do is is to try to help them to learn how to believe, believe and obey, because you know they're not. And again, you want to do this carefully. And then as you begin to move into that, what you want to do is to begin to try to find out what are the areas where there are disobediences. And many times you'll find overt disobedience, things that they will tell you about, but sometimes you'll find disobedience that are hidden away, things that they don't want you to know, things that have not seen the light of day in a long time. But if we harbor these private, secret disobedience, we're not believing God, we're not obeying Him, and our consciences will take revenge on us. It's what, the, it's what Paul was saying in Romans, uh, chapter, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that if we press the truth of God out of our lives, the wrath of God comes down on all of those who suppress the truth, meaning that you're pressing the truth out of our lives. And so as you come alongside these people, again, in a most charitable way, you want to help them because there's pockets of unbelief and disobedience in their lives, and you see that because they have disrupted Shalom. And so the way you measure how you're doing is by observing your thoughts, your words, your actions when the storms roll into your life. This is a good uh, access point to what is going on in your soul. If you're resting in the storm, you're in a good spot. If you are reacting to the storm, then you have some work to do. But praise God. Don't be disappointed or discouraged by that. Praise God that he would reveal these things to you. And so he's saying to you what he would say to the Hebrew, uh, that the Hebrew writer said, today if you do hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And so if you're reacting to the storm, you have some work to do. And the work is believing God and obeying. And so what is one way that you can change to mature and to transcend rest? Name that one thing. Would you share it with a friend? Talk to them about episode 402. Have them read, watch, or listen. And then you all begin to work out your salvation with fear and trembling so we can grow up into that transcendent rest. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.